Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. So glad to have you with me. It's an exciting show today, I gotta say. We're gonna be talking about road trips. Now, I know that may sound like bad timing because uh, fuel costs are so high, uh, but even with fuel costs at the rate they are, it's always cheaper to drive somewhere than it is to fly, especially if you're not a solo traveler. So, to discuss this subject in detail, I have two guests. My first is a woman who knows road trips well and knows travel well from a kind of an interesting angle. She is Sharon Wheatley, and she's a big star. She is one of the founding cast members from the wonderful Broadway musical Come From Away. And welcome to the Fromer Travel Show, Sharon. I'm so happy to be here. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, Hi, I'm Pauline. happy to have you. Hi, Sharon. So I got to <laughs> say, it sounds like you're on the road right now. I'm hearing a lot of traffic. Where are you? A little bit. That is the case. We had a little bit of an emergency today. So since this is a travel show and a road show, it's <laughs> you know I'm coming to you from as we drive down Park Avenue, which is not ideal, but it is what it is, and I'm here. Okay. Well, well, yeah, it, it really makes it a road trip. So let's tell a little bit of your story. You weren't naturally a travel writer, but you ended up getting into an RV this summer uh, with your wife, Martha, with your kids, and yep. driving across the country. And you, you tell about that in your new book. We'll get to the book in a second. How did, how did that all come to pass? Well, it really, it, it actually was the summer of 2020. So it was right when the shutdown started and I was not a, uh, an RV enthusiast and (laughs) I, I've always loved road trips and traveling and that seemed like fun. But you know, if, if we all remember back to the beginning of the pandemic, it was different in terms of how people felt about getting on airplanes, how people felt about getting in, uh, going into hotel rooms. And I feel like um, for the purposes of this, we have to remember back a little bit to how sometimes people would rent a hotel room and then let it sit empty for a day before hmm, they even yeah. went into it. Remember that? So oh, this is absolutely. where we were. And, and to my, to my divorced friends who, who share custody with a parent, um, you know, you can appreciate that I live in New York city and my kid's dad lives in San Diego. So I also had a further situation of having to make sure that I got uh, uh, especially my younger child to San Diego um, to spend the summer with their dad, uh, right. which is a great place and a fun place to be and much better than being in New York City during the pandemic, certainly. And so that was an important thing for us to make happen. And so it just kind of became that necessity as the mother of invention. And my wife, Martha, had always had this fantasy of driving around in an RV, which is not something I shared. <laughs> and I knew when I said to Martha, hey, what do you think about being a self-contained unit? Because I thought, this is perfect. We'll have our own bathroom. We'll have our own kitchen. We'll, we don't ever have to go in anywhere. I mean, we're, right. 
you know, we can do sort of a, a quick run into a grocery store and pick stuff up. And, and that's kind of the extent of what we were going to need to do. You could fill the gas tank outside. We did everything outside. So that's how it started. And so you decide to leave the city. Your Broadway show has closed down. So you're, yep. and so has your wife. She's a stage manager. So you're that's both right. out of work with time on your hands and you decide to hit the road. Right. And how did you find an RV? What did you do? Well, the first thing that we did was, you know, Googled. I had, I knew nothing. I literally knew nothing. And then I called my Uncle Bill, who I knew owned an RV. He owned. And I called him and I said, hey, we're thinking about doing this. And he said, yeah, I think you could. I think you probably can do it. I mean, he didn't offer us his RV to take, but he said... You know, I think you can rent one. So he sort of guided me through looking into rental RVs. I mean, this, it was a world unlike anything I knew anything about. And so fortunately, we had nothing but time on our hands. So we started watching YouTube videos and really <laughs> going very deeply into the RV community. Um, we, we found out about... I, I mean, I had heard of a KOA, Campgrounds of America. I had uh-huh. heard of people RVing in state parks. I mean, it's certainly things that you hear about, but I knew nothing. I knew zero, Polly, not one single solitary thing. And so I went deeply into learning about the classes of the RVs, the different kinds of things you trail, you know, trailers, pop-up trailers, you know, all the different ways to go and we finally decided I mean we decided we were going to then we were going to buy one I mean we went in every direction and then finally we we talked to these very nice people at Cruise America um, give them a little shout out a little love they were very good to us on the road and because of the timing of when we were renting they gave us a phenomenal deal and they gave us an open-ended contract wow wow yeah yeah, and then I negotiated in, you know, half price, half price miles, and I mean, I'm an actor; I know how to negotiate. So I was well, like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, what I loved about this, and and I should say that not only was this a road trip, but it turned into the most charming, life affecting, laugh out loud, funny book called drive stories from somewhere in the middle of nowhere and when you finally turn the vehicle in they said it was the longest rental in in, uh, cruise america history yes that were they being facetious or was that so i think that's a real (laughs) thing now i have yet to have anybody at the corporate office confirm that but um they when we turned it in he said i have never heard of anyone renting an rv for 91 days so um, I'd be happy to hear from people who have rented a Cruise America RV for longer than us. Wow. But it was great. They hooked us up with a brand new RV because they knew we were going to be in it for a long time. They knew that we were new and they wanted everything to be great and fresh and clean. And they let us text with, you know, questions and any single little thing that we thought of. We texted them and this very nice husband and wife who run the Cruise America RV um, store in Fairfield, Ohio. And they just answered. It was hmm. so nice. They were That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and you got the type of RV, you, you describe it in the book as being the size of a London bus. 
Mm-hmm. That kind of RV can't go into every parking lot, right? No. So did that did that uh, shape where you could go? It did. Now, fortunately, because okay, so I don't want to get into the minutia of RVing, sure. although I can if you want me to. <laughs> but after you know, ninety days, let's hope so. That's right. So you know, there's a class. There are class A, class B, class right, C. Right. We rented a class C, which is basically like. You know, you're you're driving it, and it's the very classic RV that looks like it has the overhang where, you know, there's obviously sort of a bed up there right. over the cab, right? So that's what we had, and we had a 30-foot long. So ours, some RVs can be even longer than that. You really have to have a specific parking space for that. Ours, you we could back it in. As long as it fit a 30-foot RV, we could fit in there. Um, so there were very few places that we couldn't go, um, which was great. Uh, it was we were right. very rarely limited. A couple of places I want to say in like Rocky Mountain National Park, there were limitations on the size. We were too big, but right. other than that, we were okay. And you went to some amazing places. There was one point in the book where you talk about the fact you wake up out of a sound sleep because there's a squeaking mm-hmm. and and the RV is rocking slightly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What what was that? Well, we didn't know it was the strangest sound we'd ever heard. We were it was about the fourth or fifth day of us being on the road, so it was still very new to us, and we um, were sort of barreling across country to get to San Diego. Um, and I wanted to do one stop with Toby, my younger child, so that Toby could really have the sort of national park experience. And the Grand Canyon had just opened. Hmm. So I said, let's go to the Grand Canyon. And we headed off there. We had a parking, you know, beautiful spot. And when we pulled in, the ranger said, there have been some wildfires on the North Rim. Shouldn't be anything that impacts you. You might smell it a little bit. He said, but, you know, the biggest thing is you can't grill. There can be no fires whatsoever. Mm. Um, and we hadn't really used the kitchen yet, so Martha and I kind of looked at each other. And we thought, okay, well, we're going to see what it's like to cook in that kitchen. And so we hooked up. We got there. We hooked up and went and saw the Grand Canyon and went to sleep. And we woke up the next morning to this strange squeaking sound and finally looked out the window and it was an elk who was licking the side of the RV uh, taking advantage of our newbiness that we had not hooked up correctly to the the local water we'd left the water pump on and that caused a little trail of water to come down the rv Hmm. which is wasteful but not if you were a very thirsty elk seeking um, water after being dehydrated from the wildfires yeah yeah and then uh, what i loved about it was it became a communal experience not just for you and your family but other people started putting out water for the elk, yeah. and they I, all gathered all around. Came. Yeah, beautiful. It was a huge herd of elk, and people were out there with buckets and all sorts of things, making sure that those little thirsty elk could drink. They were not scared of us at all. They were too thirsty to be scared. Hmm. Um, so you know, the, you could hear dogs that were locked in every RV, trying to keep them away from the elk barking, and you know. Wow. <laughs> 
But that's what it was. Yeah. What a magical experience. Just yeah. amazing. And yeah. I'm so jealous. You went to a place I've always wanted to go, uh, the Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, Homestead, is it yes. called? Yes. So tell me about that. Well, you know, I didn't know. Okay, so I had read all of the, uh, you know, all of the books and, mm-hmm. and everything else. And, and um there are several different places where you can go and have sort of Laura, Laura Ingalls experiences. There's where she wrote the books in Missouri, and we were in too much of a rush. We blew past that. That's in, I think, Springfield, Missouri, uh, which is where Rose Wilder had her house, and they built a house for Laura and Almanzo, and that's where Laura wrote the books. Hmm. So we were coming back across. It was me and the kids, and there was the the um, homestead where Pa and Ma actually had their land, and it's it's in Desmet, South Dakota, hmm. and we went there. It's incredible, um, and the thing about it was there was no one there because... Wow, because of the pandemic. Know, because of the pandemic, and they normally have... I mean, I don't even know what it's called, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder days. I mean, they usually have, I think, a lot of traffic going through there. When we went, there was nobody there. We went from, they had little stations. You know, we we made a rope. We went into the dugout. We <laughs> went into the shanty. We saw Toby drove the horses, the horse and carrot, the horse and buggy just by herself, like all wow. over the prairie. We went to the school where Laura taught, and they rang the bell. We went inside. It was, it was, if not the best day of the entire road trip, it was in the top five. Well, what I, I loved about it, you, you talked about how you know your your kids are modern kids. They're yeah. they're in their devices a lot yeah. of the time, and yet they loved going back in time this way. Loved it. Couldn't and loved. The most simple things. Now, I was walking down Nostalgia Road, and the kids were running around very much like Mary and Laura in the book. Like, I found a snake (laughs) and chasing each other with a snake. And then I found a kitty. Let's name the kitty Sugar. Oh, you know, and oh, no, there's more cats. Let's now the cat wants to play with the snake. And I thought, oh, my word, I am here. And my kids are being the kids. I mean, I really felt like Ma. It was insane. <laughs> they were so excited. They were out there doing, there's a like a station where you can do laundry. They weren't even talking to each other. They just got right to it. Like one was mowing the grass and the other one was doing the laundry. <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, it was incredible. Now, in the book, you say that there was one place that you definitely want to go back to for a vacation. I think it was Olympic National Park, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was so amazing about I have I'm embarrassed to admit it. I've never been. What was so amazing about that national park? First of all, I couldn't be more delighted that somehow I've managed to go to two places that you haven't been to. This is a miracle. <laughs> no, it's I'm, a big world. It's a big I world. I'm thrilled to get to share these places with you. The thing about the Olympic uh, the Olympic Peninsula, first of all, just the fact that we drove a 30 foot long RV onto a ferry to get there was a, an unbelievable experience. I mean, I really, I just kept saying to Martha, there's no way they're going to let us on this ferry with this RV. And sure enough, we just drove right on and parked it. Like it was nothing. Hmm. Wow. And then, and then we pull out and, okay. So the first thing about the Olympic Peninsula that I want to say is 
if you are a person as I am who loves to go places that smell good, uh, nothing smells better than the yeah. Olympic Peninsula. Is and that because of Squim? I know it's next to a big lavender growing area. There is a big lavender growing area, but I think, um, I think even more than that, it's just something about the moss and mm. the pine and uh, the way the sun bakes the earth and and makes all it releases all of those smells when the day is sunny and the mist and the salt in the air it is just delicious i wanted to mm. eat the air it is it wow. smells so good and then it is it is a feast for your eyes it is so lush and green and thick um it was it's just absolutely beautiful hmm. I know there are different parts to it. They have long, very pristine, undeveloped seashore. Then they yes. kind of have a, I don't know, is it called a rainforest? There's there's a very damp, yeah. foresty area. And then yeah. there's an alpine area. Did you get to all three or did you mostly spend your time in the forest? No, and I think this is why I say that I, I this is a place I would want to go back to. It it. For us, at least, and this isn't true for sort of your seasoned RV traveler or for, or for someone traveling in a smaller RV, we found navigating those roads to be very difficult. There, mm -hmm. it's quite narrow, mm -hmm. and and also it takes a long time. You know, it's big, so we didn't have as much time as we wanted to have to do. You know, to to do the Olympic Peninsula the way we would want to. If we did it again, I would go back with just a smaller rental car sure. and, and, and a lot more time. And I'd go, you know, um, and really just go from place to place. But that said, one of my very favorite campgrounds that we stayed in was Fort Flagler State Park, which is just beautiful. And mm. I don't, I mean, it's, it just, it, it, it was, I think it was maybe previously some sort of an army base or um, had something to do with the military and now it's an RV park where you can also bike around and you know you just get your wood and you go and you build a fire and yeah the ocean's right there I mean it's just I, I was gobsmacked it's it's one of two places on the trip where I I actually cried real hmm. tears over just the beauty which sounds very dramatic but it really, well you're an actress <laughs> i am i am so you know i'm i'm living i can live that too <laughs> right right yeah well it's a delightful book once again it's called drive stories from somewhere in the middle of nowhere thank you so much sharon for for appearing on the travel show my pleasure thank you so much for having me Thank you. And now I'm going to invite up to the stage Andrea Sachs. She is a travel reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, welcome to the Fromer oh. Travel Show. Thank you so much for, for being here oh again. Oh, my goodness. Just when I nailed Zoom, you introduced like a new technology that I have to overcome. So I know. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks it's for having a very, me. Of course. Of course. So we were just talking with Sharon Wheatley, Broadway star. I uh, know. Uh, about... I love that for so many reasons because I love that play. It went up to Gander, Newfoundland. You know, we talked about my RV adventure. I have to read her book. It sounds amazing. 
Oh, it's really fun. She does a delightful job, and and she calls it Drive, which is about the road trip, but also about I felt her drive as a as a an art artist uh, yeah. to get ahead and to to make her her dreams come true, which is not easy as an actress. But, no, um, especially these two years, so challenging for all of them. Oh yeah, yeah, for anybody in the arts. So we and have, travel and travel. And, oh, <laughs> damn straight, yeah, <laughs> tough for everybody. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have you on because you had a wonderful piece on the Louisiana Civil Rights Trail. Uh, the, the headline of it in the Washington Post, if you want to read it, is Louisiana Civil Rights Trail Marks a Long Road to Equality. Now, I hadn't heard of the Louisiana Civil Rights Trail <laughs> until I read your article. I knew that there was a national civil <laughs> rights trail. Is the Louisiana Civil Rights Trail part of that or is it is it its own thing it's a little confusing and i have to be honest i was a little confused too it is its own entity but there definitely is overlap so the national trail the u.s civil rights trail definitely has some of the louisiana civil rights trail stops sure and they've incorporated it but louisiana is doing their own thing as well kind of a standalone they have their own website which is phenomenal they're putting markers all around the state and then they have a lot of great great archival photos they have videos all about the civil rights movement in louisiana ah okay and and who does you think who decides what should be on the trail i would think that's a, a rough decision to make because louisiana was at the heart of the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s i mean a lot of things happened there they really did, and I feel like they get overshadowed sometimes by mm. all the events that happened in Birmingham and other southern right. states. Sure. And so they sent out a bunch of people from tourism office, and they spoke to historians, and they had about 22 or so different town halls, and they just wanted to collect the stories and the sites. And then they picked the first round, 14 sites, but there could be hundreds eventually. So they're starting you know, kind of a slow rollout, but it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Wow. Okay. And in the article, what was so fascinating was you talk about certain of the sites and one of the people involved in planning this and unveiling was one of the children who helped integrate schools in Louisiana, which was just astonishing to see. Can you talk a little bit about her story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my jaw was definitely on the grass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so in awe of her and her parents. And so it was Leona Tate, and she's the one who was at the unveiling of the marker. And she's one of the three little girls who were six years old. And they were the three African-American girls that went into integrate uh, McDonough 19, one of the public schools. And the other one, as we know, was Ruby Bridges, who was at the other school. And sometimes, you know, Ruby overshadows a little bit, these three little girls. So Leona was there and she's great. She bought the building. I mean, talk about like just karma and saying ha ha to history. So she has a nonprofit that is all about racial justice and causes. And she's bought that school and she's putting in a civil rights museum in the bottom level. And then it'll be a multi-use building. So she was there and she talked about how she thought it was a parade because she saw, you know, police Hmm. officers and horses and crowds. She didn't know what was going on. And then eventually she realized what was going on. The other parents, they all pulled their children out. So the three little ones were the the white, the white parents pulled their children out. The white parents pulled their kids (sighs) out. Yeah. And so they didn't go outside for recess. They had lunch in the stairwell. They had 
covered the windows with paper just to protect the little girls. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Mm -hmm. But it didn't stop them. I mean, they are still fighting this cause. And the nice thing is you you talk about the sites. So that was one site. What, Mm -hmm. What city is it in? It's in New Orleans. Oh, that's in New Orleans. And oh, then you yeah. talk about things that are right nearby uh, for all of the places, uh, which I thought was really fascinating. And some of the – you found a place that isn't on the trail but probably should be, which is it's peaches. peaches. <laughs> I love – I know because I, I had a rental and the owner lived in the house. It was shotgun house. He lived next door and I told him I was going to Baton Rouge. He's like, why are you going to Baton Rouge? Like two blocks away is peaches and it used to be it had a lunch encounter and it is in pristine condition except they put their junk and their magnets and their for sale records on it but is in a wool is it woolworth no woolworth who was it uh the sitting well anyway one of the original counters and there's right. a historic plaque but it's a record store it's a it's record store street. But they kept the actual uh, counter where the sit-in was, so that yeah. so that people who love history can can see it. The photo yeah. you took is astonishing. I mean, oh, thank you. And there's a police precinct across the street, so you know what happens. They see who's sitting at the counter, and they cross the street and they yank them off the stools. Oh, and so it felt like you definitely felt like you were transported back in time, just standing in that. Even though they were like Dolly Parton mugs and all these other things, <laughs> and all these T-shirts and distractions, but you just when you stare at that counter and they had the old signage you know like whatever 25 cent burgers add you know fries for five cents like it is you just transport yourself back in time now you also recommend in this in this article and it this is part of the trail dookie chases tell us about Uh, dookie chases have you eaten there I have many years ago. It's 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 an institution. It's incredible. It is. Oh, it is. I mean, on so many levels. So it, there's a room on the second floor, and they're renovating it. Right now it's close to the public, but they're trying to create kind of a monument to what happened in that room. And that's where the most prominent civil rights leaders talked over gumbo about protests and sit-ins and marches and voting registration and all these important topics. And they just did it over great food, homemade food by Leona, Lena, Lena Chase, um, who passed away at 91. But it was incredible. So they have, when you walk in, they have a marker, but when you go in, they have a lot of the photos. They have, and then contemporary diners such as Obama and George Bush was there. And lots of artwork. They have a big collection of African-American art, which was, I didn't, I didn't remember, but uh, makes sense. So that that's in New Orleans, and then you went into Baton Rouge. Uh, what are, what are the top sites uh, for the Civil Rights Trail in Baton Rouge? So the two that are part of this trail. So one is at the old state capitol, which is different than the new state capitol, which is the tallest building in all of Louisiana. So at the old state capitol, that was where the bus boycott was, and Martin Luther King. So when that happened, they boycotted the bus because of, obviously they were segregated and. The blacks had to stay in the back, even though there were open seats in the front. And so they, the African-Americans, they made up 80% of the bus ridership. And they mm. just said, this isn't fair. We're not going to ride the bus anymore. And I think it was about 125 cars would created a carpool for them so that they could get everyone to work. And so the bus company lost so much money. They didn't get fully what they wanted to, needed, but there was right. a compromise and they were given, you know, a little more freedom to sit where they wanted on the bus. So that was at the old state capital. That's where they would often go to pick up their rides to get mm. to work or to get home. So everyone really collaborated and supported each other through this. 
and at the old state capitol was where Plessy versus Ferguson uh, was, I guess, battled. Uh, it, yes. It, and for people who don't remember that incredibly important uh, court case, it was the one that enshrined separate but equal in the law. Yeah, uh, that didn't go as he had planned. Yeah. It got worse before it got better. But the governor pardoned him this year. So yeah. in that room, and it's, it's, a, it's a museum now, and there's one room just dedicated to the Plessy versus Ferguson case, and there's a beautiful letter that it's never too late to pardon pardon a good man. And so right. there is that pardon. And you then there's a... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. So go oh, ahead. No. And then there's a nice little film. It's pretty short, but it does have a little bit about the bus, you know, what it, what it was like during those times when it was segregated. Hmm. And you've and been doing. Next... Go ahead. Sorry, I keep I keep <laughs> cutting you off. What I do they mention? There's just a woman named Pearl who was just so inspiring, and uh, one of the interviewees was talking about this woman named Pearl just sat down in the white section and just said, "Everyone, sit with me and let's hold hands and let's just mm-hmm. ride the bus." And I'm wow. like, "I will, Pearl. <laughs> like, I'll hold your hand." Right. It was so moving. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you've been doing a lot with civil rights. You also were at the Harriet Tubman uh, Museum recently. Well, that's coming up. So I was just in Auburn and where she spent the latter half of her life, the last 50 years plus. And so wow. I that will come out for this month, which is Women's History Month. So we're going to time it for that. And it's also the bicentennial of her birth. And so there's like kind oh. of a lot going on for Harriet. So we wanted to celebrate and honor her. And speaking about great women, uh. I started <laughs> I, I started this interview with Sharon asking where she was because I was hearing so much traffic. Very appropriate that she was talking about car trips while in a car. Um, where are you right now? I'm in Pigeon Forge. I'm in Pigeon Dolly. Forge. I'm in Dollyland. Yeah, I'm going to Dollywood. Um, How is it? Um, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, uh, jolting to the senses. If you've been kind of sequestered and then all of a sudden everything <laughs> is so loud and big and, you know, they're like motor cars and, but, you know, it's kind of like Vegas and the mountains, but it's good. I haven't, I've never been to Dollywood. I've been to the smoky mountains, but I'm meeting with her. I get 10 <gasps> minutes to interview Dolly. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so jealous. Please <laughs> tell her that everyone in the travel industry is so thrilled with what she's doing for the people who work for her at Dollywood. Uh, Is that why you're there? Is it because, uh, I mean, it was announced a while ago uh, that they're going to pay a full ride for any one of their employees who wants to go on to college. I thought that was just amazing. I know. It's amazing. I am going to mention that. I'm also going to mention, I really was fascinated by the fact that she hired, not she personally, but, you know, one of their policies is to hire retirees. So high Mm -hmm. percentage of the staff. And usually, you know, it's like kids on spring break or, or summer holiday or a lot of young foreigners doing a gap year. So many retirees come and work here. So they get kind of a purpose and a second chance at a career. So I'm going to focus on kind of the seniors. And she admits she's in her 70s. She's not shy about that. She doesn't look right. it. No. So I am going to kind of focus on that, among other things. There are a couple of new announcements about attractions and a new lodge. And, and it's just opening, se- it's opening season in Dollywood. So I'm going to ride rides and eat food that will make me feel sick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a wonderful time. Thank you. Uh, It's always such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, Yes, and and give give Dolly, I don't know if you get to hug her, but (laughs) give her a virtual hug for me because I'm a big fan. I will. Uh, I I have 10 minutes and I will spend the 10th minute on this.
I will tell her. <laughs> I'm going to okay. try and push it to 12. Great. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep her, keep her talking. Cause she I has know. so much to say, uh, as do you, as do I, but it's come to, we've come to the end of, of this week's show. So, uh, to those who are listening, I thank you so much for listening, whether you're doing it here on call in where we do it live every Thursday, uh, so that potentially people could ask questions besides me, although that hasn't happened yet, but it will soon. Uh, or if you're listening wherever podcasts are broadcast, we're heard in those places too. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Great to and talk to you on this platform. You too. And uh, and thanks to all who are listening and, and to those who are traveling. May I wish you a hearty bon voyage. <laughs>